home. I'm really fancying that word right now. What is home? Where is home? When are you at home? In your own skin or with God or just out in the world? I really think these are questions we should be asking in this time. Think about it like this. We often say home is where the heart is. In some ways this is very true, but in other ways it is not. I mean, that saying, it assumes that pleasure and love and all matters of the heart are there because you feel at home. The problem with this statement is is that it also assumes that you're comfortable in your own skin. But not everyone is. There are a lot of people, arguably most people, who feel unbalanced, alone, and not at home even if they're sleeping under their own roof. I mean, think about the host at the wedding banquet in John 2. He is quite uncomfortable. He's literally at his home, but feels miles from it. He's afraid he's going to run out of wine and not be able to host. He fears the shame that this will bring. And then maybe I'm reading too much into this story, because we don't really know that. Scripture doesn't say it, but we feel it. I think the host feels this way because he is living in a culture built on fear or lack or scarcity. What will people think of me if we run out of wine? Who will I be if I fail, if all of this falls apart? Something I've noticed, especially over COVID, but honestly, in all manner of ways, really, is how fearful of a people we are, as individuals and as groups, in some way or another. It includes the fear of the unknown. Perhaps it's the emotions and feelings in us that just seem so foreign, and we don't want or don't know how to deal with them. Feelings that frighten us so much that we don't let them even get close to our consciousness. Feelings like greed or loss or lust or grief or revenge. Then there's also other fears like fear of the other. We often think, can I trust them? They don't belong to us. They don't belong in our home. The attendant at the wedding scolds Jesus for waiting until the end to bring the best wine. He didn't trust who was in his home. Then there's the fear that's even deeper than those. It's that somewhere that there is someone who might actually see us for who we are, that sees our true failures and then they have the power to expose us the wedding host fears that people will see this whole thing as a failure and then will see him as the failure he knows he is not even the best of theology over centuries of theological thought have been able to take this last fear away from us There are so many Christians 
who fear that God will smite us for how bad we really are. Or the church will expose us for how sinful we really are. But I want you to know something. And I'm getting this from now years, decades of research into child psychology and also theologians like Henry Nouwen. Fear is born at the same time that love is born. And they will never actually be separated. They go together. Think about it like this. For the first time that you could recognize your mother or your father and that they were not you. Think of yourself as an infant or a baby looking at you. For the first time that you became aware that there was an other. And that your mother was no longer a part of your body. That your mother could go. When that moment happens, two things become possible. Suddenly, you could love the other because finally, for the first time, there was an other to love. But that person could decide to not come back to you. And at that moment, you realize that you're no longer the center of the universe. But there are others in this world who can move around on their own two feet. And you can love, but now you're terribly afraid that the one that you love might not return to you. And so at the very moment that love becomes possible, fear does too. Now and goes on to say, I think as long as we live in fear, we will be increasingly tempted to make fear our house, to live in the house of fear, to let our decisions of what we're doing and what we're thinking to be determined by what we fear. The call of the gospel, though, is to move from the house of fear and into the house of love. God invites us out of the house of fear and into the house of love. And this is what we mean in our sermon series by welcome home. Welcome back to the house of love. In the Old Testament, the psalmist sings often, Oh, how I long to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. There's that word. The Lord is my house. The Lord is my temple. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even in the Gospel of John, at the very beginning, Jesus came into the world and he became flesh and he dwelled among us. Others interpret this as Jesus pitched his tent among us. You could even say Jesus tabernacled with us. He built his home among us. That's the power of the incarnation. And that's what I want you to hear as we jump into this sermon series, especially as we start in John 2, that God wants you to dwell in the house of the Lord. Now let's jump into John 2. It's very familiar. The whole story, Jesus turns water into what? Wine. And he does it at a wedding. We love weddings. But did you know that in first century Palestinian culture, weddings could last up to a week. 
mean, the idea of two families coming together in holy matrimony, it brought great honor to the family, but also to the entire village. All of the people enjoyed this ceremony. Every family would combine their resources like a potluck community-wide dinner, and the collective energy of the town would host this nuptial feast. But it was the bridegroom, the man and his father, and if his father was still alive, his father, they were in charge of the wine. Everyone else brought sides and desserts, but the bridegroom hosted the wine. And the more wealthy the family, the nicer the wine. So in the story, the wedding runs out of wine. Mary turns to Jesus and says, they have no wine. It's a big deal. His response is captivating. What concern is this to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. That line, my hour has not yet come. It occurs often in the first 12 chapters of the Gospel of John. And if you opened up to the beginning of chapter 13, right before Jesus was about to wash his disciples' feet, you get a change in the line. It's my hour has now come. This phrase, my hour has not yet come, my hour has come, it reveals, it foreshadows a time when Jesus is to save the world. And isn't it interesting? In the first miracle in the Gospel of John, we hear this line. And if you study this text long enough, you'll realize Jesus turning water into wine, it sets the stage for what kind of Savior He's going to be. I mean, think about it. The first miracle is Jesus bringing in the best wine and in ridiculous abundance too. It's somewhere between 120 and 150 gallons of the best wine. Why does he do this? What's the point in this miracle? Why wait until the end of the week to bring out the best wine? Because Jesus uses this moment to declare to the world that he is the real cosmic bridegroom. And through him, the world and God are going to be married together. And we will live in the house of the Lord. This is such a cool way to open up our sermon series. We're hearing Jesus say to all of us, Welcome home. Here's some wine. In this house... There's always enough. And whether you realize it or not, God is hosting this party that we call life. Jesus is the bridegroom that marries us to the kingdom of God. There is abundance with Jesus, not scarcity. But you have to leave the house of fear and go into the house of love to see it. And that's why our task in this life is to make love our dominant tone, not fear. But it's really hard. I mean, the only way that you can do it is you have to feel at home in who you are, in your own skin. I mean, honestly, this idea of home, it is rich. You really need time to explore it together because chances are, you have felt or maybe you currently feel like you're someone who is at someone else's party and you don't belong. Or the fun or the enjoyment in this world has run dry. 
If this is you, I get it. Because life is hard. You're a lot like the steward in the story. You aren't sure if you can leave the house of fear. But you need to try. There's another story in the Gospel of John, in John 14. We often read this at funerals, but in John 14, Jesus says that I go to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, there you may be also. And then Thomas replies, Lord, we have no clue where you're going. Where are you? How will we know the way? And Jesus responds, well, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Anyone who comes to the Father comes through me. It's a wonderful text because it helps us imagine where people go when they die. They go to the house of the Lord in which Jesus has built a room in God's mansion. But here's something cool. That is not typically a funeral context. It's one for a wedding. In first century Palestine, when a bridegroom would propose to a bride, he would then go and begin construction on his father's home. He would go and build a place for the husband and wife to live connected to his father's estate. It's a beautiful image of what happens when we are married in first century time. If Jesus is the bridegroom, then Jesus has gone to build a place for us in our Father's home, so that where He is, there we may be also. It's a rich metaphor. But get back into the story. Look at verse 9. When the steward tasted the water, it had become wine. He didn't know where it came from, but the servants, they knew. The steward had no concept for understanding how the new wine arrived. But the servants, they knew. Most people stare right at love. Or they love something dearly, but they don't really see it for what it is. Perhaps this is true for you too. I think God is inviting all of us this year into the house of love. But not everyone is going to have eyes to see it. And could it be? Because they're trapped or they're so stuck living in the house of fear. Nowen goes on to say that I think as long as we live in fear, we will be increasingly tempted to make fear our home. To let our decisions of what we're doing and what we're thinking to be determined by what we fear. But the call of the gospel is to move from the house of fear to the house of love. That's the gospel. And Jesus symbolically portrays this transition. It's like being at a wedding in Cana in which the best wine is overflowing in abundance and there is more love to share. To see it, though, you have to step out of the house of fear and into the house of love. So the question you need to ask is, which house do you live in? And at the end of the day, which house welcomes you home? 